0: Life is one that is pretty busy for all of us. And as we are struggling with day to day, we find that we have a lot of duties, a lot of things that we need to do, a lot of things that need to get done. We struggle with putting things in priority, I think. And there's always work to be done. We are to be people who work when God put Adam In the garden. It says in Genesis, the second chapter, that he put them there to tend and keep it. He didn't just put them there to just live, to have a relationship with him, but he put them there to take care of the garden. They had something to do. We know that Paul saw great uh, need for people to be busy, to be working. And that he himself was a worker. And you'll remember that Paul was a tent maker. And that at one point he stopped in his journeys and he spent some time with Aquila and uh, his wife Priscilla. And he stayed with them and he worked with them. Not in evangelizing, but in tent making. But if that weren't enough, Paul was also busy evangelizing as well while he was there. It says that he went to the synagogue every Sabbath, and he persuaded both Jews and Greeks, he talked to them, he preached to them, as well as working in a secular job. Paul did that for an example, to show us that we are to be a people who work, that we have responsibilities to do things, and to not just sit idly by. We know that from what Paul teaches in in places such as Uh, 1 Timothy, the fifth chapter, that we are to provide for our families. That to not do so makes us worse than an unbeliever, he says. So we are to be workers. We are to be providers. We are to do things that are necessary. We know that Paul taught things about the family, And the Christian home and the responsibilities that are there. And the the roles and things that we all have to do. They all require work and doing things in life. Paul taught in Colossians, the third chapter, about the employee and employer relationship. That there's responsibilities there. That if you're an employee, you have a responsibility to do the job to do it well, to do it in a way that the employer doesn't have to watch over you constantly because they know you'll get the job done. God expects us to work. And even in the garden, Adam had to work, but then when sin came into the world, when things changed, God put them out of the garden, and he said, you'll work by the sweat of your brow. He never took work away, but now it was not the relationship they had in the garden, but it was something different. And, of course, death entered into the world with that sin. So, you see, we've got responsibilities. We're all busy. It's so very hard to accomplish everything we want to accomplish. You know, we have so many things to do. And, indeed, as a congregation, as people who follow Jesus... We are taught that we have work to do. It's not just about coming and sitting in the pew, but it's about doing things. It's about listening. It's about worship. It's about evangelism. It's about teaching others. Everything requires some work on our part. But yet, we find that it's very hard, don't we? We find it's difficult to stay focused, And we find ourselves in this busy, busy world. Paul told Timothy that all Scripture is there for a reason that it's inspired by God, that it teaches us, it helps us understand, it gives us purpose. And all Scripture is there for a reason to help us. We're going to look at the story about Mary and Martha and think about some things around it. And maybe we can come to some understanding or thought around what happened and some things that we can learn. There's a reason it's in there, because God wanted us to know about this event, because it's meaningful, and it has something to say to us in this very busy world we live in. Before we do that, we're going to pray again. We'll sing another song, and then we'll conclude it with our lesson. Let's pray. So the story of Mary and Martha is found in Luke the tenth chapter, and we'll read that here shortly. This is one of those kind of lessons that, as I think through it, I'm really reflecting on myself as I think about it. Uh, life is busy, and I got to tell you, uh, I feel like I have put a lot of things in front of a lot of things that shouldn't be. And I, I suspect you are probably there with me, some of you, that especially maybe some of the men who have jobs, perhaps that you have put in front of other things that you shouldn't have. And perhaps some of our women folk too have a job that you have felt maybe you put in front of things that you shouldn't have. We all have things in life that perhaps we are putting in the wrong priority. And I think that's what this story ultimately is telling us as we read through it and think about it, that there are things that we need to be aware of and we need to take care of, but there are some things that are urgent and there are some things that are important. And we'll talk about that a little bit more shortly. But when I read that, it's like I'm looking at a mirror and all these words are shooting right back at me because I know that there's been times when life has gotten in the way and I haven't done everything I should or could have done As far as it goes for the Lord. So in Luke, the 10th chapter, we find the story here about Jesus coming to the home of Martha and Mary. And you remember that these are two individuals who are mentioned in other places in the scriptures. And we associate them probably more commonly with also their brother Lazarus. Jesus is traveling. He's traveling into Bethany. And it says in verse 38 as now as they went on their way he and his disciples and all those that were with him as they went on their way jesus entered a village and a woman named martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called mary who sat at the lord's feet and listened to his teaching but martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said lord Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord Jesus answered her Martha, Martha, you are anxious and you are troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus is traveling as he did with this throng of people, with his disciples and some others in the group. As Jesus went from place to place, he was welcomed, sometimes not welcomed, but on this occasion in Bethany, he went to a home of some friends. I'm not sure if this was the first occasion to meet or not, but we knew do know that Jesus had a relationship with Mary, Martha and Lazarus. They were close friends. We know that Jesus had compassion for them. He loved them, it says in one place. We know that when Lazarus died, remember that story? Jesus wept, seeing the grief of Mary and Martha and all those who mourned over Lazarus. And then he raised Lazarus, one of the great miracles, showing the true power of God to raise the dead. He had a relationship with his people. He comes to the home. Martha welcomes him in. Now, there had to be several with him, right? Because that that's how Jesus was. That's how he rolled. That's how he traveled. He had many with him as he went. And I would assume, probably safely here, that it was Jesus and the disciples and maybe some others. A lot of folks. Martha, welcome to men. What is it that's common for us as a people? We like to show hospitality, don't we? We have guests come under our home. We want to share a meal with them. We want to offer them something to drink, perhaps some food. Hospitality. That's one of the key characteristics of a Christian is hospitality. That's one of the key requirements for an elder to be hospitable. Hospitality. She wanted to make sure these people were fed, that they had things to drink. That was quite an undertaking. You know, today I think about where we live in our times. When we have guests come over, what is it we do before they even get there? We want the floor swept. We want the shelves dusted. We want the bathrooms cleaned. We want the whole house to be spotless. Why? Because it's the thing we want to do for our guests so that they'll feel comfortable. We want to welcome them in. We spend a lot of time in that. You know, one of the things that uh, perhaps is different maybe today than it was many years ago, as I have been told by some of the older generations, it used to be that people came to the house all the time. They'd just show up, didn't have time to clean, didn't have time to do all that prep work. That's what was happening here. Jesus showed up at the door. Martha welcomed him in. She wanted to share hospitality with him. That was a good thing. It really was. It was wonderful. So she's about being busy. She's thinking about all the things she's got to do. She couldn't call Domino's and say, send me 12 pizzas. She couldn't do it. There was no way to do that. Back then, people had to work for their food. It required cutting everything up. You didn't buy it prepackaged. It required putting it in a pan and cooking it, or baking it or however they prepared it. It took more effort to do that. Bread didn't come in a loaf that was pre-baked. They couldn't buy Wonder Bread back then. They had to make it all of that took time and effort. It wasn't easy to have hospitality then compared to now and now we can hardly find time to do it now, but think about what she was doing, what she was going through. She was worried. She was concerned. She had to get this meal put together. She's about being busy work, something good, but then she realizes, wait a minute, I'm doing this all by myself. Where is that sister of mine? Where is Mary? Where is she? And she peers down and she sees Mary at the feet of Jesus. What was Mary doing? Why wasn't she there helping? Why wasn't the, she there cutting up the vegetables? Why wasn't she kneading the bread so that we could bake it? Where was she? What she, was she doing? Where was Mary? At the feet of Jesus. Martha goes to Jesus. Jesus, tell Mary to come help me so that we can get this meal on the table. You know the thing about Jesus that we can learn something from, we can learn so much from. But here's something we can learn. He was gracious. The way I read this statement that he comes back to her with, he was gracious. He understood You know, Mary wasn't Martha. Martha wasn't Mary. Two unique individuals. I wonder about the relationship here. We're not told who's oldest in this string of siblings, but I almost feel like Martha must have been a firstborn. I'm a firstborn. Some of you are too. Something I know is true about firstborns, and there's been studies on it, And and I know I've told you about this before. We've talked about it. Firstborns have a tendency to be takeover kind of people. They tend to be people who want to get it done, that are leaders. They want to please people and get it done. Martha was about that. And here is her sister, maybe not a firstborn, maybe the youngest. Didn't have the care of worrying about that work that needed to get done she realized there was something else. Think about it. Here's Jesus coming to them. Jesus' fame had spread far and wide. People knew about Jesus. This was the Messiah that was prophesied about. This was the future king of Israel in the minds of many. This was the man who spoke like no other teacher had ever spoken. And this was the man who performed miracles That were unexplainable. Healing of the sick. Raising of the dead as we would find with Lazarus. Calming the seas. All the things that Jesus did. All that he was about. What's Mary doing? She's at his feet. That's an indication of someone learning. Wanting to learn and grow and understand. You know what Jesus wants from us? He wants our heart and he wants us to learn. He wants us to sit at his feet and learn all we can about him, his father, those things of heaven, and what he did for us. Where was Mary? at the feet of Jesus. Jesus said she was doing the better part. He wasn't disciplining Martha for what she was doing because it was valuable. It was it was a good thing. Hospitality is a good thing. And he wasn't coming down on Martha, but he was pointing out to her, hey, there's something. There's something better going on here. Mary is doing something that is so important it was something better. There'll be time for what you're wanting to do, but now is the time to hear and grow and listen. Jesus is saying to us, life is busy. Learn while you can now. Don't put it off. Don't find those things, other things to do. He wants us to grow and learn like Mary was doing in that particular situation. You know, for Mary, she was being fed by Jesus. Her soul was being fed. The bread of life that Jesus was offering was invaluable. And she was taking that time to learn from him. You know, the parable of the talents teaches us that each of us have things that we can do, that we have abilities. And just like Martha and Mary, they're two different people. You and I are different. Some of us are very much alike. Some of us are not. Some of us can do certain things that others can't. Some of us can uh, do things for the church in ways that others cannot do it. One of the reasons why you want to have multiple elders, one, the scriptures say you've got to have it. But secondly, they build off of each other's talents because we're all different. And we each have different needs in the church, right? So you need multiple personalities to help lead, is, is kind of something to go. But we are enabled with talents, just like Mary and Martha, they had talents. We're taught there's value in those talents. We are taught to utilize them to the very best of our ability in the moments that we can. A talent plus an opportunity to use it is a responsibility. We have responsibility to use what we have. But there is time and place for all things. And on this occasion, What we see from Jesus is there was a time to exercise that talent and a time to sit and listen. You know, for Mary and Martha in this situation, they both had equal opportunity. They both had equal opportunity to enjoy the better part, to do what Jesus was there to do in that occasion, which was to visit with them, to share with them, to give them things that they would be fed with spiritually. Each of them had opportunity to do the better part. But you see, it comes down to a choice, doesn't it? You know, life is is a series of choices, Each of us has a choice every day what we're going to do. We wake up, hopefully. We're blessed with another day, hopefully. And each of us has the next 24 hours of our awakening to do something with it. Of course, some of that involves sleep. But the other non sleep hours, we've got time to do something. Are we going to use our time wisely? Are we going to listen to Jesus when we can? Are we going to worship when we can? Are we going to absorb and be fed by Jesus when we can? We each have that opportunity. But you know what? Life gets in the way, doesn't it? You know, if we're real about it, life is in our way most days. I can't tell you how many times I have gotten up and I have made a mental list in my head and I said I'm going to accomplish this, this, and this, but then that comes into play and it wipes all the this out and I don't get to it. Perhaps we're that way too. We have good intentions every day. I, I don't have any doubt. We all want to grow spiritually. We do. I know we do. But then life gets in our way: work, family, emergencies. All of that gets in our way, and then we don't get to what we really need to. uh, Author Charles Hummel calls it the tyrant tyranny of the urgent. We live in a constant tension between the urgent and the important. The problem is that the important tasks rarely must be done today or even this week. Extra hours of prayer, Bible study, that can wait in our mind. But the urgent tasks call for instant action. Endless demands, pressure every hour and day. It's like the urgent is this big red sign that comes up in our mind. I gotta get it done. This has to happen. I've got to prepare the meal. I've got to take the kids to school. I've got to do this or that or the other. But then there's also the important things. What Martha was doing was important, wasn't it? Feeding her guests, showing hospitality, that was important. But you see, the urgent wants to to take it out of our way to do things, doesn't it? The things that we need to do urgent says do it now it's a big red sign saying do it do it and we lose sight of what's important which is listening to the savior talk to us as we should we talk about reading the bible often don't we we talk about that we 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 hear it said from the pulpit we we think about it but it's hard to do some days if we are not careful a lot of days, we don't do it at all. Because this little monster called urge gets in our way and then we can't get back to it. You know, our age is one of so many things at our beck and call that are supposed to make life easy. You know, the computers, the washer and dryers, the microwaves, the cars and trucks we drive, airplanes, the Internet. All of that is supposed to be time-saving. All of it is supposed to make us more productive. But you know what it's done in many cases? It's filled us with so many things to do that instead of finding time savings, we filled up that time with something else that we feel like has to get done. How long does it take to microwave a burrito? 30 seconds? 60 seconds? Martha would have spent hours preparing food. Think about how much time we save with some of the gadgets we have. Yet, we are some of the most busiest people that have ever been, why is that? It's hard in this world we live in to have the kind of mindset that Mary showed in that story because we are so busy, so many distractions. One author uh, in a book called Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World Hence the title. Joanna Weaver writes about this story and that she uses Mary to say that that's a living room intimacy. That was spending time with Jesus. That was hearing the master. That was listening to him. That was being right there one-on-one to hear all that teaching, which you and I can do today. We can pick up the scripture and we can read it. And we can hear these things that Jesus said so long ago, the very things that Mary and Martha and all those around him heard. We are able to read it. And you know what's so great about the scriptures? When Jesus spoke, if you weren't listening close, you might have missed it, right? I have that issue. I'm told I don't always listen, and I confess that is true. I have selective hearing sometimes, and I know some of you do as well. You hear what you want to hear, and you're trying to filter out to get to the most important things, and sometimes you miss it. That could have happened with folks with Jesus, but guess what? We don't have to worry about that because we can read it. We can reread it. We can reread it. We can put it down, come back, and read it again until it sinks in. But here's the deal. It has to become like an urgent matter for us. It has to become something that's important and urgent at the same time, not putting it off to tomorrow when we can do it today. This author says that Mary's way was in kitchen service, two different ways of thinking about what was going on. Sounds familiar to me in my life, And maybe it does to you. Mary's desire was to listen in that living room intimacy with the Christ. Martha was focused on the things that she knew needed to get done, but it wasn't the most important thing. You know what Jesus wants from us? He wants our hearts. He truly does. God so loved the world. He wants us. He does. Don't ever think that God does not want you. Because he does. He's calling to you. He's calling to me. He's calling to everyone outside in the world. He wants everyone to be saved. That's why he allowed Jesus to do what he did. That's why Jesus gave himself to do what was done so that we could all have the opportunity to give our heart to God. That's what he wants from us, for us to give our heart, to give everything we've got to him. You know, we're living in a world that applauds achievements. The more you can accomplish, the more you can do, the greater accolades and awards that can be yours. Those are things of man. God says there's something much more important, and that's the things of heaven. You remember that statement to lay your, where you need to lay your treasures that Jesus talked about? Not laying your treasures in those things of this life. Why? Because they rust, they, they get corrupt. You can't take them with you when you die, right? But the things that are most important, those things which are eternal, are those things of heaven. And that's what God wants for us, is to give him those things. You know, in our life, we have a tendency to get it in the wrong order, don't we? You've heard about putting the cart before the horse. What's that saying? It's saying we got it in the wrong order. We want to accomplish all these things of life, whatever they may be, you fill in the blank. And then we assume that those things which are spiritual will fall in line after that. But God says, that's not how this works, people. He's telling us, you get right with him. You put your faith in God And all the other things will will line up for you. A cart before the horse is a cart that has to be pushed. It's a cart that we have to work for to make it go. But when we line up right, when we line up the horse and the cart in the right order, when we study and reflect and do what God has asked us to do, we put our faith in him, It's like the cart that's in the right order. The work is less and it's lighter. It can be achieved and all the things that we need will be added unto us by following God as we should. How do we balance? You know, it's so hard in life to balance all the things that we have to do. There's no doubt about that. No way way for us to look at it differently, really, because it is very hard. And there's nothing about life that's easy. It's never been about being easy. Even with Jesus, it never was about an easy life, but it was a life that had peace and a lighter burden because we knew where we were going and what God was about and what was in store for us. Where do we start? Well, you know, there are many books. Many, many books that have been published about time management. Perhaps you've read some of them. I have, I've taken courses, I've read some books about how to be better on using your time. It always seems to be about making a list, prioritizing that list in a way that we can manage and putting some things down on a piece of paper so that as we work through our day we can check a box if we want to have the kind of life that we see in what mary did with jesus we've got to put the priorities right we've got to make that mental list to put it down number one what am i going to do how am i going to achieve This balance that gets me to the place where I'm in line with Jesus, that I'm in line with God and his ways. I'm in line with the spiritual aspect of life and being fed spiritually. How do I do that? Well, one, let's look at Luke, the 10th chapter. Very basic. Jesus asked, had been asked a question. He answers it as he's answered before. He he sums up the commandments, right? He says in verse uh, 25, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Step one. We got to put the priority right, which is loving God. That's number one. There's no ifs and or buts about that. We have to love the Lord. If we love the Lord as we should, then there are other things will fall in line. The next part, he says, is love your neighbor. So you have the spiritual aspect, loving the Lord. You have the service aspect, loving your neighbor. Both of those go hand in hand. First, love God. Then the rest will fall in line. Loving God should put us in a place where our most important thing of the day is this. His word to feed us, to help us, to get us in the right frame of mind so that we can absorb what he's feeding to us and follow what he's given to us to follow. And then in Matthew... The sixth chapter, Jesus says, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for all after all these things the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things should be added to you. Again, what's Jesus saying? He's saying, line it up Right. But God first, and all the other things will come in line. Now, recognize and realize that when we pray for our daily bread, we can't expect for the bread to just miraculously show up. That's not what that's about, and that's not what Jesus is saying. But he is saying, don't worry about it so much. If you'll live right, do right, you'll find a way to get what you need. Father's put it all out there for us. He's given us everything we need physically. He's also given us the talents to work and be able to earn and, and provide for ourselves. But don't worry about it so much. Worry about those things which are, which are of habit, those things which are uh, needful for our spiritual well-being. Put those first and everything else will line up. That's the key to starting a balanced life, putting those things in the right perspective, in the right place, and then we will get where we need to go. And then finally, Matthew 11th chapter, Jesus makes this statement. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, Jesus is saying here, he's speaking to us, saying that to follow him is our goal, or should be. And that it is a burden in a sense. But his burden that he lays on us, we can carry. And not only can we carry it, but he will make all the other burdens of life manageable. Isn't that what we're seeking? Isn't that what we desire and want? Well, this life is difficult. With all the things we face, sickness, having loved ones leave us, and death. Life in general is hard. But Jesus says, Take the load I am giving to you, and all those other burdens will be light. It's a message of the cross. It's a message of salvation. It's a message to help us focus not on us, because we have done nothing, but rather to focus on Jesus who did everything. Our hope, our faith, is built on this that Jesus did for us. The load he wants to give us to carry is one of salvation that comes through him. And if we will follow him, he calls to us. Just as he called his disciples who became the apostles, follow me, he says. And he's saying that to us today follow me. That's what Jesus wants us to follow him. His plan, he fulfilled. The work of the Father. And then he says, this is what you need to do. Believe in Jesus. Confess Jesus as the Savior to others. Change your mind. Change your focus to those things which are of God. And be baptized for the remission of your sins. It's not the water. No magic to it. It's God and his work on us when we are baptized, to wash away our sins. And in that process, he adds us to the Lord's church as followers of Jesus Christ. What greater task, what greater load could we ever carry than to follow the instructions of Jesus and to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Having a merry heart in this world is difficult, but it's achievable. It can be done. But we have to realize our focus needs to be changed so that rather than like Martha, who was worried about things that were important, we focus on those things which are really needful in the moment, which is following Jesus. Blessings, yours. Thank you for your attention. We close the service, as we always do. If you're here and need to uh, make a spiritual need known, we are here to assist in prayer. Or if baptism is something that is needed in your life, we can assist you with that as well. We ask you to come to the front, make your wishes known while we stand and while we sing.